All right. <laughs> uh, I guess we're doing a show. Let's do a show. Yep. Uh, tape is rolling, baby. Oh, um, that's fun. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Ooh, no pressure. Just, just, just sit back, relax, Wait, and listen the, to can this. Can you hear the coffee drink sounds? Hang on. Ooh. Ah, damn. It sounds like a babbling brook of uh-huh. hot brown liquid. Ooh, gross. That it's, sounds... a, it's a major pain reference. Oh. Actually, it's a low-key major pain reference. Nice. But it all happened inside his body. Oh, ooh, theater, oh. theater of the mind, where they give him that cupcake. Hell yeah. And you have that great theater of the mind moment. Oh, girl, and I he remember. dang near kills that child. Yeah, he mustard gassed him. Um, all right, so we're rolling. He butstered. We got it. We're already. We started. You haven't even counted us in. We're starting the show. I know. It's uh, no, no. We got to do the countdown. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. This is the show. I feel better. Okay, now it's now it's the real show. Yeah. This is where it all begins. This is Missing Out, guys. And I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And we are here on this show, which you can find on social media at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. But you can also find our personal t- Twitters uh, here it's all going on so well. Twitter. <laughs> you completely bailed on the dismount. I tried. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, my arms are in the air now. I'm, I'm showing it to the judges. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I don't One. think. What are you scorecarding the judges? No, those are my those are my scores. Okay, because you said you were showing the judges, so no, I pictured no. you with the scorecard going like, "You guys are such good judges." I give you a nine point five. Bro, have you ever watched the Olympics? When you finish the dismount, you throw your hands in the air <laughs> and you turn ninety degrees, and then you turn another ninety degrees, and then you put your hands down, and then the judges give you your score. Don't Is that what I did wrong? Act like you've been here, bro. Is that why I didn't place at the Olympics? Yes. I did not do that full 90 degree pivot? No. You landed and then you like wiped your forehead, threw up the middle finger, and then just walked away. <sighs> yep. I, shouldn't, I should not have listened to that coach. That was not a good coach. Well, that's what happens when your coach is Damon Wayans. Oh, look at that. Boom! Look at that. Because we that was elegant. are talking about Major Pain today. Uh, one of my favorites, made in 1995. Yes, uh, so we... I guess, I guess real quickly, right up top, if you weren't listening to some of the October shows, uh, this is our first show for November, right? That's when we are. We're in November. Yep. And all October, we were covering like horror movies, the big, some of the bigger franchisey horror titles that everybody probably at least passingly familiar with yeah we did texas chainsaw we did uh friday the 13th part six we did west new nightmare. nightmare and then we finished out the month with what we intended to be a double header of halloween one and two and then turned into me uh, incredibly loopy from sleep deprivation <laughs> stumbling through the entire halloween mythos uh uh talking to tari about it and one of the things that came out of that conversation was the identity of the gentleman who played the shape in the original halloween a man by the name of nick castle who was a friend of john carpenter's from film school and who i made it a point to tell tari went on to a very interesting career as uh, primarily as a director mm-hmm. and i started rattling off some of the titles directed by nick castle he of halloween fame major pain is one of those titles uh, the movie he made, by the way, the movie he made after Major Pain was Mr. Wrong with Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Pullman. Really? It was like Ellen DeGeneres' first foray into big movies. 
uh, came out the next year, came out in 96, and was a critical and box office disaster. Oh. Uh, apparently, Ellen DeGeneres still brings it up from time to time on her show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so major, major pain, which is a very, it's very odd uh, to view it through the prism of uh, it being directed by the original Michael Myers. Yeah. That sounds like a real terrifying set. But uh, Major Pain, not a not a terrifying movie. No. Uh, very, very. We'll like jump into it uh, uh, pretty pretty promptly, I think. But I was so it's so 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 crazy, specifically '90s feeling, mm-hmm. and it's so it feels like for, like it's incredibly predictable. You know what I mean? Like if you've seen a movie before, as yeah. soon as they introduce the plot elements, you don't know the way in which everything is going to play out, but you know more or less where you're going to get to by the end of the movie. Right. What gives this movie life is all of the the specifics, all of the details. Uh and it ended up working for me, I think more than maybe it should have. Um I know that I think when it came out, it wasn't massively well received. I think it did okay. Yeah. I wanna say I wanna say it opened at number two behind Outbreak. Yeah. The movie about the monkey that's carrying a deadly pathogen. Um and I think Roger Ebert liked it, actually. I wanna say Roger Ebert gave it like three out of four stars. Yes. Something like that, right? Uh Uh-huh. So anyway, I had I had a pretty dang good time with this. Though I will say like right up top before we before we jump into the actual meat of the movie. Yeah. Very early on, right? Uh, they introduce uh, Damon Wayne's ca- uh, character, Major Payne. Mm-hmm. Damon Wayne's is given a performance in this movie, and it it took me a minute to adjust. In the first scene, I had I had a minute of oh, it's going to be an hour and a half of this. I don't know if I can deal with an hour and a half of this. And by about the twelve minute mark. I was not not only completely won over, but I was like, "Where is the where is the merchandise? Where is the animated series? Where is the like? Where is Major Pain twenty forty nine? Like, I want all of it. I feel like the it seems so weird. I'll phrase it this way: Major Pain feels like uh, a pretty successful adaptation of a Saturday morning cartoon show that never existed. Right, and to me, that's a compliment. It's a weird compliment and a bit of a convoluted one. Well, no, I mean, I think that the characters themselves were very big and they were super fleshed out. Like Damon Wayans disappeared into major pain. And I I don't I feel like that sounds facetious, but like I wholeheartedly uh, feel like in terms of the even if it's a little like a 90s predictable, this overall in terms of the way that the characters behave and the way that they arc was a perfect movie. I will say Dang, that's lofty praise. I it will say great. though, right? I will say, I I reference the movie as being predictable, and I, I stand by that as far as the broad strokes. Right. Uh, plot wise, you've you've seen this story. It's the exact same, uh, you know, a ragtag uh, underdog group of kids needs to be coached to success by a weird, like a rascally somebody who's not really. Uh, a good fit on paper for that job. Right. Meanwhile, that this uh, coach probably meets a nice lady and they don't hit it off immediately, but eventually against all odds, they fall in love and the underdogs win the day and everybody's happy. You've seen this movie. Right. It is the hard, the constant hard lefts that are taken within individual scenes. Like I was genuine. We'll get to some specific things as we move through it. Yeah. I was genuinely surprised by a number of things that I, I saw in this saw and heard in this movie. Right. And to your point about uh Damon Wayne's disappearing into this character, 
Yeah, completely. And this is a character that would not have worked at all otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Major Payne is so, he is so far over the top, so disconnected from reality as we understand it. And if any moment of that performance didn't feel completely honest, if one moment, I think of one moment in the movie, didn't feel completely honest, yeah. it would have killed the entire character. Right. And every single moment that Damon Wayans is playing it, it feels so, dead. not realistic, but super honest. And mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, far more than than realism, far more than naturalism. To me, what actually matters is, does it feel, no matter how untethered from our quote-unquote reality it is, how honest does it feel? Yeah. And yeah, Damon Wayne's portrayal of Major Payne feels bulletproof honest to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, I had read that he spent some time with uh, like actual drill sergeants, and he went through a bunch of the like qualifiers to get into the the like the Marines and things of that sort, just to prepare. And so, like, if you were a drill drill instructor, um, I guess there are like all these subtle things that he does throughout. That you're like, yeah, 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 totally. That's me. Um, so that aspect of it is great. And I also, uh, I feel like having watched it as an adult. So backing up, uh, this was probably one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. You you referenced that, I think, when we talked about doing an episode on it. So I did want to ask you about, like, what was your initial experience with this movie? Um, so we, I watched it. I think I w- it came out in 95, so I was probably in, like, the fifth grade or something to that effect. Um, and so me and everyone on the school bus, we uh, we would essentially reenact the movie on the way to school every morning. So if someone different could be Major Payne and other people would be, like, Tiger, another person would be, like, Stone or the other ones. Um, and then we would just go through it scene by scene doing the bits. It sounds like until you adjusted to it as the bus driver, that would be real disturbing. Oh yeah. Like what weird cult are all these children a part of? Am I about to be <laughs> murdered? Like is a, is a metal rod about to come through the back of my seat and through my neck? Cause that yeah. would, that would be on my mind until every kid was off that bus. If I right. heard you all basically chanting these, these lines in <laughs> unison day after day after day, mm-hmm. I'd be a little nervous. If I hadn't seen Major Pain myself, right. I would be a little nervous. Well, uh, you can rest assured that I'm sh- that that bus driver was on the, the Major Pain bus. Yeah, that bus driver was like, oh, hell yeah, that kid's Tiger. I ain't plotting on you, boy. Yeah. That was a line from the movie. No, right. You, I, yes, if you remember. I got it. Yes, yeah. great. Um, <laughs> so every morning we'd get on there and they'd be like, Morning, turds. That didn't happen. Um, But yes, it was one of our favorite things to quote and one of our favorite things to watch because it was just so it was jaunty. We felt like we were those like ragtag kids. Um, But now and and watching it as an adult, um, like you I can I can actually appreciate it for like the structure of, you know, you you have this character who is who essentially loses all purpose they were they 
have been doing one thing, which is killing for a number of years. I do. Then, I, I want to like t- talk about that really quickly because yeah. he, when we meet him, two two things. One, I actually liked the title treatment, which is super '90s, but it actually did look like that when the the title hits, like Damon Wayans, and then the the bullet shots. Yeah. And of course, it's like they reveal the title in a way that makes no sense if that was the formation of the shots. But fine. <laughs> um, it looks like the title treatment for like a comic book or an animated series. Yeah. Which I thought was a lot of fun. I do think. When we first meet him, they're playing uh, uh, Bad to the Bone. Yeah. Now, I get that this was the mid-90s. This was a good, uh, uh, God, it was like 20 it was, some yeah, odd years was, ago. Yeah, uh, 22. Good God. Well, we're all going to die. Um, <laughs> so I get that this was a couple of decades ago, so I'm not counting this as a strike against the movie. Yeah. And I haven't heard Bad to the Bone in a movie in a while. That's a song that I feel like we can now safely put a moratorium on as far as ever using it in a movie again. Oh, yeah. Stop I agree. It. Just stop. Um, like, I, was... and I get it's There's some songs that are like shorthand. You know what I mean? Just like how I feel the same way about R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts. Like it's shorthand. You know exactly the emotional state of the character in the movie when you hear it. It's overused like crazy. It's tired. Let's stop it. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel the same way about. And these are all songs I like, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I feel the same way about uh, T-Rex's Bang a Gong. As far as being used in trailers, okay, stop it. I don't think I even know that song. Never get. You've heard it. You've definitely heard it because you watch movie trailers. You've heard it. Stop. Like no more of that. Yeah. It's and so I feel that way. That was my first thought when I heard "Bad to the Bone." It's like another one. Stop. Like I feel like Terminator Two was the last one that we ever needed to see it in. And mm-hmm. maybe that was part of the point. Is like the probably the the best known or most iconic use of it in a movie somebody listening is like you're wrong yes but it's probably terminator 2 no the most iconic and memorable use of it is problem child duh oh i forgot you're here to rep the problem child contingent uh Um, yeah but i do get okay but 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 but. so (laughs) i do i get not this argument again i'm not not problem childing (laughs) with you tari i'm not doing it um if that if that was part of the Point, and I guess like the, the lyrics are so on the nose. Like I get it fine. I, I let it slide. But that was the thought that I had when I heard the song. But yeah. so to what you're uh, what you were referencing. Oh, actually, no. One more thing in my notes. The operation that they're doing, like this drug operation that they're on when we first meet Major Payne. Yeah. The superimposition, the text on the screen, it just says Operation Drug Sweep. Uh-huh. Who is naming these ops? Just a real. That is the laziest, most uninventive name for a covert. If anybody looks at any piece of documentation, they're gonna know to clear out immediately. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all real pragmatic people, the Marines, <laughs> and they're like, "It's a drug sweep, obviously, Operation Drug Sweep." <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, but okay, so so <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, so so. To what you were saying, Major Payne essentially loses his purpose for being because his entire his entire uh, reason to be is like is a, a weapon of war. Right. I really love and this plants this movie firmly in the early to mid nineties. The reason that he receives an honorable discharge after not making the promotion for the second time, his superior tells him that the wars I, I wrote this down, the wars of the world are no longer fought on the battlefield. And therefore, his military skills are no longer needed. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine a world that is not consumed by perpetual, never-ending warfare where they could actually tell a soldier that was good at soldiering, we actually, we're good. We don't need you. You can go home. No. I I literally can. That is the least believable element of this movie for me. I mean, yes. 
mostly because the next like well it wasn't until what 2001 until we were essentially so in a the non-stop timeline war. fractured yeah yeah um but no and it's not like i again it's not a knock against the movie no, at no, all no. it just it reminded me that even in the midnight, I can remember a time that was so much more innocent and seemingly so much simpler. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we're, we're learning now, unfortunately slash unfortunately, that most of this stuff was just like creeping in around the edges anyway. Mm-hmm. But so, so much more innocent time by comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I had that moment where I was like, whoa, like this is less believable than Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, It that. You mentioning that makes me realize that people who are like Gen Z, like late millennials, haven't were born into a world that will ha- that still to this day hasn't known peace, which is a bummer. I mean, in a way, yes. I mean, I more specifically a period of peace, right? Because yes. this this world has never really known sustained permanent peace as long as there have been people on it. But yeah, there have been periods of perceptible peace yeah for for even an extended period of time not globally but at least for us yeah nationally mm. you know we were like we're not doing other people's dirty work I mean, to, for be a fair, while. to be fair to be fair korea oh boy uh huh, who could forget <laughs> um the but too it's like it's like uh the the national periods of sustained peace were often at the expense of a great many of the citizens of this country yeah but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, Let's, all right. Yeah. So Back speak, to speaking comedy. of, but speaking of people being on the receiving end of abusive tactics, it occurred to me at a, about the two thirds mark of Major Pain that this movie is mostly a series of uh, uh, set pieces depicting really wacky child abuse. Yeah. I didn't. I guess I wasn't ready for that. And there are a couple of things in this movie where it's like, okay, the '90s were definitely a more innocent time, right? But there are some things. In the movie, where even though I think we as a culture have become far more desensitized to any number of things that we see or hear in media. Yeah. A couple of things that I wonder, it's like, would they be able to, for example, there is, uh, I think in their first lineup, it's after he's met Tiger, and their their first lineup with all the kids, and Tiger says he has to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. and Major Payne is just yelling at him. Yeah. Tells him to hold it, whatever. Homeboy literally threatens to rip a six-year-old's dick off. Yeah, I mean, I, A, I've never seen that in a movie. B, let me clarify, I've never seen a man threaten to rip the dick off a child, not I'm lamenting never having seen that depicted in a movie. I'm good not <laughs> actually seeing it. I have never, it really leapt out at me because I'm like, would you in in 2017 even, would they let you, if it's a studio movie, would they let you leave that in? Would they let you leave the threat of, of like genital violence against a child in your movie only if it's funny enough i think i mean i'm trying to think if there's a more recent example i mean because now we're getting into a more like child murder friendly time like you can now depict a child being killed on screen and you're like oh okay cool it's just part of the drama um but how often does that happen um I mean, we've gotten it in, uh, It's. I feel like it's more recent. So, like, we gotten it in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. We, we saw a kid get shot in the face. Um, in oh, It, yeah. we see uh, spoilers for It. 
we see Georgie get uh, his That's arm ripped right. off. That's right. Georgie gets um, effed up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like there was another one where I was like, oh, they killed a kid. That's a good point. I actually remember. You're right, too. I remember having a, same, a similar reaction when I saw It and the way it opens. That Spoilers for the first five minutes of It. Right. Uh, the scene that everybody knows because it's been memed to death. Um, but, yeah, like they just immediately straight up brutalize a little kid immediately. Yeah. So I think that... And that's would, why that movie was so popular. Hell yeah. They were like, mm, man, I get to watch him do what like, I've always just, wanted to do to kids. So many of them got to get rid of him. Oh, you yeah. clown. Oh. <laughs> like, I want to meet the guy who came out of It and just stood in the lobby like flexing like he was on steroids and going, oh, <laughs> clown. Yeah. It's, until until security actually had to escort him out. And he doesn't fight them off at all. He doesn't stop what he's doing. He allows himself to be led out by security while he's still going, Ugh, clown. <laughs> and they just take him outside. They leave him on the corner. And he's been there to this day. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, every so often, he'll just have a balloon. And he's just like, <laughs> he's way He's way thinner now. Yeah, uh, of course. But he's still there. Right. Oh, man. But you're, okay, you're right. It's just, I don't feel, that's a real... No, it's real specific threat. Yeah. Um, Well, yes. But it also (laughs) helped to serve the character in in showing that he's not, he shouldn't be allowed around children. It's definitely a very clear flag they're planting. Yeah. So that later the change in him is, is certainly more pronounced. Right. Right? Like that's a heck of an arc to go from the man who threatens to rip the dicks off children to the man who doesn't. Right. And I mean This is the- by the way, way more discussion on this particular topic than I <laughs> e- re- honestly ever saw myself having, certainly on a microphone. Right. Um <laughs> it, I mean the whole premise of the movie, um it could essentially be it could end up honestly being like a like a horror movie or a, a like a a real weird drama because like you are taking a man who lit, knows nothing except killing and you're like well why don't we put him in this school and he he has like obvious signs of PTSD like he can't even tell a story without like remembering his child getting his legs blown off right the 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 little engine that could story that turns into the most horrific non-flashback yeah um but no but like why all right so we saw he doesn't know what to do uh after he's discharged yeah and he's wandering around he says well maybe I'll be a police officer that makes sense and it does it tracks a little bit I could see where Major Payne might think well if I can't be a soldier I can maybe put some of these same skills to use and then we get this really wonderful little scene where they do that uh, demonstration of like "All right, well show us we're going to enact a domestic violence incident and you have to show us how you will you would handle this right and of course he immediately he's very polite he shakes everybody's hand he's like hi nice to meet you they say go and then he's like did you hit her and then he just starts smacking (laughs) the crap out of the guy till i think the guy falls down yeah uh so at some point people had to look at that and i'm sure there's a good chance that Somewhat, someone, somebody who he served with, or maybe a, a superior officer, might have gotten wind of this at some point because he's got a military record. If he comes in and just starts brutalizing people in their police department, yeah, entirely feasible, I would think that they make contact like a superior officer to be like, "Hey, what's with this guy?" Well, his what his uh, his last um, commanding officer had to bail him out of jail. Right, he goes to I, like forgot that little bit where he's in jail, and then right. so okay, but so so. You're right. So they do. They address this directly. 
the commanding officer then says, you know what you should do? You should take that gumption and that spirit and that can-do attitude and you should apply it to children. Uh-huh. That's bonkers. <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, I mean... And it's not... You have to... If they don't do that, there's no movie. Right. So it's fine. But that's also bonkers. Yes. I agree. I think it, it's one of those things where you you get the sense that this this commanding officer feels like he has some some form of responsibility for major and he's like all right i got to i got to find a way to like make him fit in and and everyone knows the ultimate way to soften someone up is to put them around kids murderers um like you know especially mass murderers you just put them around kids oh, and boy. and they're like ah like I think I recently heard about him. No, and I, don't I, don't even do it. I recently like heard the new the news cycle <laughs> as of late. I think no, no, is no, no, proof no, no, positive no. that no. this is maybe not the soundest strategy. Um, no. So there was a an uh, issue of the Hulk where he was taken down by a box of puppies. So that was that's where I was going. <laughs> okay, I thought you were gonna be like, well, if you've been reading the news lately, <laughs> no, 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 you no. know that it goes great every time. Um, no, this uh, this podcast is uh, agnostic to any outside news. Um, we only it's it's timeless. I can't mention anything that happened in recent history, uh, so that people listening in the next ten years would be like, ah, I remember Major Payne as well. I think anytime you do reference any current events, you have to put on that weird, like, uh, like almost Cary Grant, like weird, like nonspecific mid-Atlantic accent and be like, well, I read it in the newspaper. Yes. And that way, yeah, timeless. Yeah. I mean, timeless as long as you're trying to sell people on the idea that your show takes place pre-2015 or so. Right. Uh, well, I read it in the newspaper. Sorry. When I meant, when I said timeless, I meant the show that used to be on the television oh, starring the... the time travelers. Yeah. Was so this show is show? timeless. Uh, yes. It was okay, a time so travel for show. For some reason in my brain, it was like a knockoff once upon a time. Oh no. I thought it had something to do with like, now when I say I thought it had something, it's not like after careful consideration, I arrived at this assumption. No clue. Had no clue what the show was about. Yeah. In my brain, I guess when I heard the title, it had to get slotted somewhere. Uh-huh. It got slotted there. Oh, no. It was edutainment. Um, so essentially, they'd go back in time. They're, they're trying to find this guy who also has a time machine and trying to stop him before he alters history. Uh, so it's and like Legends of Tomorrow? It's like Legends of Tomorrow, except less wacky. That's it. <laughs> like, not pause, though. I I feel like weird. It was only a couple of years ago when... There was an episode of The Flash that, and The Flash gets me gets me emotional at least twice every season. But yeah. the reason that this episode in season two got me emotional is because I genuinely could not believe I lived long enough to see an episode of television in which Victor Garber explained multiverse theory. Uh huh. That was so so profoundly mind blowing to me. And cut to only what two years later, I feel like every third show is dealing with either time travel or the multiverse. Yeah. Not for nothing. Legends of Tomorrow is super fun, deals with time travel, deals with the multiverse, and they also all know The Flash. So I don't know that we need more multiverse time travel shows. Ugh, fine. I guess this show is canceled, guys. It's, it's not timeless anymore. We don't, we're not traveling in time. I don't mean, I don't mean us. I mean, we, we, we just got to meet The Flash. Got it. And then we're good. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll... That or we need like an evil speedster. To oh. engineer our show. 
I mean, I I feel like I am three people removed from Matt Letcher. Are you? Uh, yes. How does that work? Um, my roommate like knows by marriage? Brian Letcher, who knows whose brothers with Matt Letcher. Interesting. Um, so then I'm four steps removed because I know you. Yeah. Well, right. you also know my roommates. That's so true. I, I know both. Of, I know both of you. Yeah. That's a good point. So, so I'm also three. But I feel like I feel like you you know your roommate a little better. So if you asked, you'd probably you'd probably get the evil speedster in the engineering booth before I would. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll try. Uh, that way, we don't become irrelevant and part of the gen- g- general fray. Wouldn't it be amazing of- if, like, the tag on the end of season two was spo- le- spoilers for Legends of Tomorrow season two, you guys? When Eobard Thawne disintegrates at the end of season two, and of course, because it's a comic book show and death is always only as permanent in a comic book story as the writers want it to be, right. I assume it's some that character's too great to be taken off the table permanently. I. I like the idea of he disintegrates and then at the tag like at the end of the credits on that season he rematerializes in a in a booth and it's just like I do podcasts now <laughs> and then like cut to the the CW logo. Nice. And like no they never tag up on it again. And right. everybody's like what? And every like they ask Berlanti every event. They're like what what was that about? Like are we going to get is he going to come back like on maybe on the Flash and like there's a weird like he's running a radio station like he's trying to disseminate his message of evil somehow that way and they're like you'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. That was that was 30 years ago. <laughs> we have no closure on this at all. It's true. There was one time though where uh Berlanti looked at the camera and said, "What do you guys feel like you're missing out on uh, the this character?" And he winked. And that's how we made our millions is by suing Greg Berlanti. Yep. Uh, so now we just podcast for fun because we're super duper rich. Super. That's how we have time to do this. Yes, of yeah. course. Um, it's not like we are buried head deep in mud. Boom! Look at, look at these amazing attempts to pose. <laughs> Um, so, okay, uh, child abuse. Okay, so yeah, the, the um, <laughs> yep, well, child I'm like going abuse. through my notes to like catch up to where we are, and I'm like, yep, abuse, abuse. He was about to break this little yeah. kid's finger. Um, uh, speaking of, there was a lot of uh, fat shaming back in the 90s. The next thing that I was going to hit on was here's the thing, right? If this was not played for comedy, and if it was not so preposterous and so silly and and therefore so genuinely funny yeah most of this would be real disturbing and i don't just mean pain's behavior i mean the retaliatory behavior of the cadets as well oh yeah one of the things in my notes is literally uh what i wrote was uh the plan the cadets have involving putting the chubby kid in a dress and having him crawl in bed with pain is uh super effed up (laughs) <laughs> I just called it the pedophile picture prank. <laughs> because, like, and of course, it's so clearly a child's plan. Right. Because they only have as much foresight as they need to to follow through on it. In their heads, we'll take this picture, we'll get it out there, and then he'll be fired, and we won't have to deal with him anymore. Uh-huh. They're either not considering for a moment... Or don't care at all. That what will also likely happen is Major Payne will go to prison, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's I, like. Do you have a reading of this one way or the other? I in my head they're kids, so they just don't think about it. Yeah, but I also like the idea that they're just little sociopaths and they don't care. 
Yeah, I mean, why would they care? If he's in prison, he can't come back to school. So, like, their problem is solved either way. He gets fired or he's in jail, which, I mean, I think, if if I'm honest, that would be the sequel that I'd like is Major Pain in Prison. Prison Pains? Yep. No, dude, that's, that is Major Pain 2049. Oh, yeah. It's, he's He was falsely, he was framed for, like, God, this is such a dark conversation. He was framed for, like, molesting the chubby kid. Right. And he's been in prison trying to clear his name for, like, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, we pick up with him. Yeah. 30 years later. And he's like, um, um, oh, man, like, what's a good... I was like, I was trying, okay, so... This is something's wrong with me. So it's like, what's a real good prison movie we could use as a, a reference point for this? And the only, the fir- not the only thing, but the very first thing I thought of was the prison set piece from The Fate of the Furious. Okay. With Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham just taking the whole place apart. Yeah. Could be like that. Could just okay. be a lot of that. Like, Payne, Payne has been taking all of his know-how and his, uh, uh, like, virility and aggression as a soldier and has just been, like, pumping iron in prison for 30 <laughs> years so he's he, he he is like at that point it's like we got to get damon waynes we got to bring damon waynes back of You're course right. we're not recasting oh, he's no. gonna be he's gonna be both the harrison ford and the ryan gosling of this of this bitch and he's just he's like dwayne johnson size yeah like even at at damon waynes is not an old he's probably in his 50s no now. he's in his 50s um, he can do it look yeah. at those photos of jk well, simmons getting crazy jack look at hugh jackman how big he gets like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get damon waynes that huge well, even if we couldn't get Damon Wayans, like I, Damon Wayans Jr. is one of my favorite comedians, and he, uh, he looks almost exactly like his father. So he could do it as well. Just so, like, if we didn't want too much time to pass, we could just get him and be like, it's only been 10 years. No, what we do is, what we do, that is funny, but I think what we do, <laughs> what we do is, we do like, like Die Hard 5, uh, where it's a father and son story. Uh huh. Either, uh, either uh, Major Payne had a son with uh, his lady, whose name keeps escaping me. Uh, it is uh, Walburn. Walburn, thank you. Uh, who he falls in love with by the end of the movie. Or, screw it, they keep Tiger around and Tiger's older and for some reason he grows up and he looks just like Major Payne. It's like it's like they say how like uh, uh, married couples or something will start looking like each other over time or is that people and their dogs? I forget. <laughs> but maybe just being in close proximity to him means that Tiger started taking on Major Payne's physical features over time and that's how we get uh, Damon Wayne Jr. And it's a buddy story uh-huh. about... Major Payne Sr. and Major Payne Jr. Because even though he's not enlisted, he's Major Payne Jr. Right. Uh, about them having to overcome the odds, adversity, probably mend fences in their own relationship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I mean, you could even retro retcon it. I was going to use the full term retroactive continuity. But you could even, even retcon it that, like, Tiger's parents weren't even his real parents. They were his adoptive parents. And they found him in, let's say, like from a, a organization that takes from war um, orphans. And uh, Major Payne did the dirty while he was at war. Boom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he might actually be Tiger's long lost parent. Exactly. Because see, what happened immediately in my head when you brought up Tiger's parents, I'm like, they're not dead. They're spies. 
and they're trying to bring down the United States infrastructure. And that way, you keep Tiger as a significant part of the story, but then you also bring in Damon Waynes Jr. as Major Payne's biological son. So uh-huh. then, they all have to work together to stop the parents that Tiger thought were dead from bringing the U.S. completely low, right? Yeah. And then you can also work in so like a, a jealousy dynamic between the biological son and the surrogate son. Yeah. So then you got character drama on top of your international intrigue. Ooh. I like it. I'm into it. What do it. we call? Um, Ghostbusters? Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all day. Oh, nope. Sorry. You can't you can't escape. Production value. Um, um how do we how do we get in touch with Damon Waynes? Uh well. I, I once saw his whole family having a barbecue at the park down the street. So maybe were they I just doing camp that, out there. That big silent laughter they were doing in his fantasy near the yeah. end of Major Pain. Of course they were. Yeah, that was actually just candid footage they yeah. took of Damon Wayans and, mm-hmm. and the other two actors. <laughs> um you you mentioned uh Walburn and I want to talk about her, but like before I do, I just to wrap out this this cadet revenge piece, I I thought it was bananas that they were like, we're going to hire this uh, this wrestler guy or like this biker guy yeah. um, to beat him up, even though we know that he is a renowned murderer. <laughs> uh, they're just like, oh, man, this is definitely going to get his goat. He's going to be so, so beat up. He can't be our major anymore. Like, if anything, if he would have killed that guy, they would have been accessories to murder. Um, they would have been tried as minors, but yes. Yes. Um, a manslaughter or something. But um, uh, I, I really liked the Walburn character. Um, played by Karen Parsons, who was Hillary Banks in um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, That's why she looked familiar to me. Yep. Wow, I did not place that at all as I was watching it, but I went, she looks crazy familiar, and I mm-hmm. could not figure out from where. Uh, and it's from Fresh Prince. Huh. Uh, and sh- uh, I remember this because she was one of my big, big baby crushes. Big old, big old baby crush. I mean... Um, but also, um, I like that she was using, uh, teacher techniques, like in her early interactions with pain, there's this thing that you do when you're a teacher, when you have troublesome kids is you essentially deputize them, which makes, gives them a, a, like a direction or a purpose and it keeps them from acting up because they're the ones who feel like they're in charge now. Um, and that's exactly what she did when she was like, Hey, you know, can you be my, can you be my big buddy? Can you be my big buddy and treat these kids real good? And he's like, yes, Miss Walbert. Um, this, the whole time she just kept like teacher manipulating him and it was real good. Yeah. It's a very, very odd romance, but it, the, the moments within it, I like a lot, even though moments like that, when you contextualize them in the in the broader story we're like oh these two people get together at the end it's weird yeah it's very weird but it's not like it's not a movie breaking weird because it is still in keeping with the tone of the whole thing yeah um i mean i i wouldn't have bought their relationship anytime before the the dinner part um because i feel like at the dinner was the first time that major pain was was like hey can i be a normal human and then they start doing the dance piece, 
which I found still to be hilarious. That's right. That's right. Um, the dancing. But I felt like that was the first time that they had like actual chemistry. Well, it's like they... it's like the old the the concept of opposites attracting, right? She's a teacher. He consistently puts children in mortal danger. Right. Totally. Should, shouldn't happen. Star-crossed romance. And totally. yet And yet, against all odds, those crazy kids worked it out. It's true. It's Speaking of putting kids in mortal danger, when <laughs> Tiger comes and says about that there's a man in his closet, I guess he's like afraid of the dark or whatever. Yeah. It's a really good thing there wasn't another cadet in there just messing with him because Major Payne straight opens fire into this closet door <laughs> with live rounds yeah. right in front of around children. I mean, and everyone's cool with it. Like yeah. they all, they're all like, "Whoa, dude!" But like, they're all pretty okay with it. <laughs> um, I mean, the the cadet could have just been like wounded or maimed. So they would, so it'd be true. They may have been in there, but they just wouldn't have been happy. Or like there's just a slow, sad. there's a slow like after they all like it's like, "Whoa, major, what are you doing?" And like they they get him out of there. And they all laugh it off, whatever. There's just a slow pan back over to the closet door and a slow pan down to where the door meets the floor. And there's just <laughs> blood just, <coming laughs> just seeping out with nobody else around. Um, oh, I mean, the, the best way for that to have ended, I mean, this is not chronological, um, but if it had been... Um, Stone's dad, played by Michael Ironside, who shows up, who who's built pretty high, and shows up for one yep. scene. And Michael Ironside, love Michael Ironside, F- fantastic, fantastic, always dependable character actor, showing up looking like the like most disheveled, sloppiest, like you could smell the booze through the TV. <laughs> yep. Um, and the he, line he's got, he smacks him, and then is like, "Don't you sass me like your mother," uh, and you get. So much information about what Stone's home life must be like from that one line. Yep. Um, Michael Ironside plays a lot of bad dads. Yes. Bad, um, a lot of bad dads and military figures. Yep. Um, which I think he was billed as like a colonel something or other. Yes. Um, I, don't, so that, was, I, don't, I don't even remember his character. And it, whenever Michael Ironside shows up in a movie, I'm like, hey, it's Michael Ironside as Michael Ironside. Right. So he was both. He was both a bad dad and a military figure. Yeah. Um, I, uh, but speaking of stone and all that stuff, I really liked that. Like the, the, we're moving into the third act moment when he sends the kids off. Uh, not he, not he as in Michael Ironside, but, uh, pain sends the kids off to, on their like own mission just to set them up to get their asses beat. Um, it felt like a really unifying moment. Um, it also felt like something that, it like showed how savvy he was, even though he doesn't really understand people, because um, right. it gave them something to want. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and not just to truly one up him, but to do it honestly, like to actually win the trophy honestly. Yeah. And it's not. It really. It's, it's surprising levels of deft manipulation on Payne's part. Mm-hmm. Because he's depicted as basically a cartoon character. Right. And like a really silly, like almost not dumb, but so crazy broad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And every so often there's just a moment of like, oh, that's how you manage to not die so many times in wars because you're actually pretty clever when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to jump Hashtag back slightly. Perfect movie. What? Hashtag perfect movie. Yeah. I want to jump back really quick. There's a scene... I think it's once Tiger goes back to bed and it might be, 
It's actually, no, it's the scene where he tells the little engine the could story before he turns into this terrifying flashback. He, his list, Major Payne's list of little people who do big things. Uh-huh. Very bizarre to me because on this list, uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Yes. The Three Little Pigs. Yeah. Spike Lee. Yeah. And the Little Rascals. <laughs> I do not understand this list. I, they're, they're all little people who do great things. And uh, I, I would you argue know, Spike Lee I is would, renowned to be short. Is that okay? Like it was such a like Little Red Riding Hood gets eaten and dies. Uh, Three Little Pigs tracks for me mostly because even though the first two are not very smart. The third one is very clever, yes. and they defeat the wolf. Fine. Right. That one tracks. Little Rascals, I guess it depends on what episode of the show or, like, the movie, I guess, you're watching, maybe. Yeah. They won the 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 race. They, That's right. I don't know. Wasn't, wasn't the racer in Little Rascals movie uh, Reba? Um, yes. The, the, like, the main adult uh, driver was Reba. But they didn't know she was a girl. It was a whole thing. Guys, watch Little Rascals. It's great. Uh, Waldo Aloysius Johnston III, <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, who is now uh, in prison for multiple homicides, multiple oh, strings of homicides. Not geez. the actor. The little oh. kid is probably fine. He probably grew up and had an okay life. But uh -huh. no, Waldo Aloysius Johnston III uh, murdered and ate like 50 people. <laughs> um, uh, wasn't, I'm sorry. I know Whoopi Goldberg was Buckwheat's mom yes. in that movie for like one shot. Yeah. Do I have a weird, I feel like I have a weird memory of Donald Trump being in like a shot of that movie. Um, I think he was. Like at the racetrack or something. Yeah, he was somewhere. They like run into him. And he's like, Bob Donald Trump. Well, anyway, then, now that I'm upset, let's let's um, uh, let's move back to. But yeah, so um, but anyways, that, that was like what? That's a heck was, of a list. It was a. Uh, I think Damon Wayans had done a movie with uh, Spike Lee at some point before this. Was it Mo Money? Is that a Spike Lee joint? I don't know. I don't know was, that that's a Spike Lee joint, but I think Mo Money was, I think it was the same uh, Wife and Kids as the production company. Right. I think it's the same production company. Okay. Um, but, you know, also, everyone likes to beat up on Spike Lee. Do they? I don't know. I still, I mean, I don't, I'm not like deeply in love with every movie he's ever made, but like, Do the Right Thing is one of the greatest American movies of all time. He's been replaced by Spike Jones as the greatest Spike ever. I mean, I also like Spike Jones. No, you're only allowed to like one. That's a super weird, that's a weird swap out. Sorry, but uh, that's the rule. Huh. Yep. Uh, so take your pick. You have until the end of this episode to let everyone know whose side you're on. We're I... playing whose side are you on? It's the Spike Challenge. Spike Jones versus Spike Lee. Let us know in the comments somewhere. What your pick is, and we'll tally it at the end of the course. Uh, I vote for. Hmm, do, that's one vote for. Do the right, Malkovich. Ooh, there we go. All right, we've had a spike in <laughs> do the right, Malkovich. Or like, uh, or like. Chai rare the wild things are. <laughs> Clown. <laughs> did you have a did you have a lac lacto or what is it? a <laughs> laxative cupcake? <laughs> no, I just did a whole bunch of steroids real quick. Oh got it. Yeah, yeah. Juicing bro? 
bro. Yeah. You, you getting that juice on? Yep, yep, yep. Nice, yep, yep. nice. Um, I'm into it. So another line in the movie that I really liked is when he's talking to. I keep spacing on her name. Help me, Wilburn. Wilburn, thank you. Yeah. Uh, when he's talking to Wilburn about like their past romantic history, uh-huh. and she references being married, and and he left because she wanted kids. He didn't. She asks Payne if he's ever been married. I really like the line. I figured if the Marines wanted me to have a wife, they'd issued me one. Mm. I liked. That's. I don't really have anything to say about it other yeah. than I liked it. No, it was a good line. There were a lot of good, good, a lot of good lines. Um, specifically, one right before he left. I think it was something. That's it. Okay, dog. Yeah. There's one at the at the end of the movie, and of course, the most obvious of spoilers. Yes, the underdogs win, and the ending is happy. Right. Um. The, he's got the new group of cadets at the very end, and one of them is blind and has the seeing eye dog. Mm-hmm. And he calls the kid with the dog Ace Ventura. Yeah. Which in 95 was an incredibly timely reference. Yeah. Because Ace Ventura Pet Detective was released in 94. Mm-hmm. So this was like incredible. Like, whoa, look, look, look how current and hip this picture is. Now, of course, it's. I mean, everybody. I think most people know who Ace Ventura is still. Yeah. Dude, actually. Do kids know Ace Ventura at all now? I guess why why would kids at a, uh, of a certain age even know? Um, they wouldn't, I guess. I mean, unless they watched the animated series. Oh my God, there was an animated series. That's right. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I I think I have it. If you want to borrow it, that's right. And there was a a mask animated series for a while. Yes, sir. That one I I saw more of. I think I was aware of the Ace Ventura series. I think I saw a bunch of the mask series. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think they were both okay. Duh. Just okay. Duh. The most okay. The masks. Um, um yep, <laughs> yep. That was, that's the whole theme song. There's some music and then you just hear a quiet pain voice go. Uh, I'm um I'm really glad there wasn't an actual sequel to this movie because I feel like How, what what would it be except this again? Yeah, that's that's it. Like as I said multiple times, this is a perfect movie, and so like there's no reason to keep going with these with these characters, like because they've all reached the, the end of their arc. The only reason to do or the only way I feel like you could do a sequel and not just do the same thing again is maybe not like the ideas we were throwing around before, but something that is a total departure. And even then, wh- why? Why not just make a different movie about a different... It's not like Major Pain is a massive brand. You know, it's not like Baywatch, where I get why they made Baywatch, is because right. they could use the name Baywatch and slap it on a movie. Yeah, Major Pain is, uh, I think, beloved by by many, but it's not, it's not an IP that has the same oomph behind it. Yeah. Though, so, I guess... If you wanted to, if you wanted to do it now, I mean, you could do like a series, and then just follow like the kids and their things, and have Major Pain be more of like an incidental thing. Um, so then, like, he comes in every so often, and he's like, "You gotta solve your problems," and then they're what? like, "He's right. You gotta solve your problems." Is that what he said? That's what he said. So he's like, he's like the pain in the high castle, right? Okay. Yes. So uh, I think that would be a good way of doing it. it is like it be more of like a child oriented thing because like you can't have too much 
of like a a good thing. That's why the 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 pirate series kind of went off the 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 rails is because they were like, all right, more Jack Sparrow. Did you see the fifth Pirates? Why would I? I saw it. It's, Why did you? I, I was curious, mostly. There's some fun stuff in it. I think I actually think Bardem is a lot of fun in it. Okay. And some of the effects are good. Yeah. It's weird how, like, after three... I feel like after three, Disney went, yeah, we can't spend this much money on these anymore. Because even though they're, the scale of the story isn't that much smaller in four and five, they feel... They don't feel cheap yeah. at all. They, they look expensive as crap. But, like, they definitely feel a little smaller. Right. Uh, This is your Pirates of the Caribbean. What is it called? Dead? No, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, it is Dead Men Tell No Tales. Hang on. It's uh, Curse of the Black Pearl. Yes. Dead Man's Chest. Yes. Uh, At World's End. End. At World's End. Yeah. Uh, uh, On Stranger Tides. Uh, Yeah. And then Dead Men Tell No Tales. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that in the middle of the major pain episode, we stopped to rattle off the pirates titles. Yeah, and we're definitely not gonna do five. Please don't make me watch that. No, I mean, like, I don't want to. I would say I'm not. I wouldn't really want to. I don't know that I could get an hour of conversation out of Pirates Five. I feel okay. like you, that's most of it. That's most of my feeling. Yeah. About it. It's like, yeah, it's okay. Okay. I mean, four had a dope mermaid sequence. That's, that's my the biggest best problem with four is that they it's like you you had Ian McShane and not only did you have Ian McShane you had Ian McShane as Blackbeard yeah how'd you blow that how's it possible you had a beautiful gift how did you squander it that badly because they put the focus on the wrong character they're like oh man Jack Sparrow too much of a good thing Meow, meow, meow. Right, and like Waggity doggity. Right, and Jack works so much better as like a, almost like a Bugs Bunny. Like just right. somebody that like pops in, does some wacky, pops out. Yeah. And so, and that's what I don't want um, Major Payne's character to be in this series that we're pitching right now. Right, my fear would be like if they were ever going to do more Major Payne that they would do, if especially if uh, they could get Damon Wayne Jr. on board in any capacity, my fear is they would try to do like a prequel. Right. Like becoming pain and like how he became that guy. And like, I don't know about you, but I don't care. I feel Um, like that's so unimportant. Like, I feel like one of the greatest strengths of this movie is that when you meet major pain, he is fully formed. Yeah. He is 100% exactly. It's, that's why it feels so much to me. Like he either stepped out of a cartoon or off a comic book page is because he is so, he's not, it's not a, it's not a realistic performance. You know what I mean? Like yeah. real people don't behave that way, but it doesn't matter because it is so a, it feels so incredibly honest and B because he does arrive in that movie fully formed. Yeah. I don't know what the, the result of, of picking that apart could possibly like, I don't need to see where he got his hat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I got, he's got it. I, I accept, I accept yeah. it. It's here. I wasn't. I wasn't caught up in that. It didn't. Wasn't taking me out of the movie at any point. It's like this is great, but where do you get that hat? Um, but my fear would be if they were ever to revisit it, that's what we would get. Don't you want to learn where he uh, got picked up all those sweet dance moves, though? Like that's my fear, by the way, about the the Han Solo movie that that we've been hearing all manner of stuff that apparently they finally finished. But like my fear about that is like, what is the point? I guess like I don't need to know where he got his vest, for example. I accept that he got it somewhere. I don't really need... We know where he got the Millennium Falcon. He won it from Lando in a, in a game of some kind. Right. That's it. That's the whole... I don't need more of the story. Well, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that 
it will be like an explanation prequel. It'll just be like, look at the fun smuggling adventure that he had before he became the guy that we knew. Yeah, so- maybe. I mean, look, I'm I'm there for it. I'm there for I'm in the bag for all of this stuff. Alden Ehrenreich. I don't know if you saw Hail Caesar. Alden Ehrenreich can he can take my money. Like he's 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 phenomenal. Now, is he going to be a great Han Solo? I don't I don't know. I guess we'll all see. But in Hail Caesar, dude is phenomenal. But right. honestly. I'm going for Donald Glover as Lando. Yeah. Like, and I think, I think most people are probably going for Donald Glover as Lando. Um, all right. Do you have any last thoughts before we wrap out? Oh man. Now I'm just trying to figure out how I can plug Donald Glover into our major pain reboot somewhere. I mean, obviously it's like, I'd reach out and be like, you want to do the soundtrack? And he'd be like, eh. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, how do we sweeten this pot? And he's like, all right, I'm, I, I'd like to be the deaf kid. Like grown up, I'd be like, really? Okay, okay. He's like, if you want, I like challenges. Oh my god, can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine if we got Donald Glover for like grown up Tiger? Yes, it'd be great. That would be so good. And that's boom. That's your movie, right? It's the same. It's it's the Tiger's parents are actually spies story. Yeah. And then you get Glover as grown up Tiger, and you get uh, Damon Wayne's back, and you get Damon Wayne's Jr., and then you have Damon Wayne's Jr. and Donald Glover. Uh, playing off of each other like a weird like Ooh. jealousy friction. Oh my yeah. god, dude, I'm there for that. It's you know you're there movie. for that too. Oh, of course I am. Uh, and then there's and then I don't know like there's robots and flying cars. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's the future. It's, yeah, and we got it. We're gonna call it Major Pain 2049 until we get slapped with a cease and desist. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah, working title. Don't even worry about it, guys. Right, but if it makes it to the multiplex with that title still on it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna wrap us out. Future Tari, start that music. Cool. Yeah, the very, very, very last thing is just I gotta shout out uh, his laughing at the end, just laughing uproariously as it fades to black. Oh, yes, that was that was quite a bit. Ah, uh, it was great. Oh, also, sorry, really quickly. So I referenced that uh, Nick Castle directed Mr. Wrong after this. Yeah. He also a handful of years after that directed the Disney Channel original movie Twas the Night. Which stars Josh Zuckerman and Brian Cranston. Really? Really, apparently. I will have to look this movie up. I've never heard of it. I had heard of it. I think it was 2001. So I think, well, I was young enough that I might have been aware of it. Like, uh, maybe. Like, I saw the first, whatever, like five or six Disney Channel original movies I saw because I was like at the right age. Right. And I'm trying to remember if by like 2001, I know I never saw it was the night. Yeah. Um... I no, I don't know. You haven't seen it. You can't tell me I'm missing out. If you've no. seen, if you've seen Twas the Night, uh, and you're listening to the show, and you think this is something we really need to catch up with, let us know. Um, but yeah, directed that, and apparently uh, Disney still runs it like around the holiday season. It sounds like we might be having uh, holiday holiday themed. December this year, maybe we'll go. I feel like I just turned drunk. <laughs> no, it sounds like we might be having a holiday themed December. Doesn't sound that hard way. to say. And we're gonna watch it. We're just gonna watch. It's gonna be four straight weeks of Twas the Night. <laughs> yeah, just just different takes. We're like we watched it backwards this time. This is what it's about. And this time we watched it the regular way, but superimposed over it, we ran the movie backwards and we watched them simultaneously. Yeah. And then one of the times we might watch it as uh, a prequel to Breaking Bad. So we'll be like, we'll pretend like 
Brian Cranston goes on to be Walter White by the end of the movie, and it really colors the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. And then I'll do a show alone explaining to everybody how you had to be institutionalized because you just couldn't sustain that amount of Twas the Night. <laughs> ah, it'll be a nice vacation. Yeah, really. Um, well, I'll go, and we can record it through the glass. That'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Future Tari now starts now. Okay, all right, calm down. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Missing Out. Make sure to hit us up on social media. It is Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. But you can also find us on our personal social media. Where can they find you, Lex? I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. And you can find me at Tari J. T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Make sure to keep up with us. Uh, if you have a chance, hit up our iTunes and leave us a rating. Uh, you've probably stopped listening by now, so, so I'm just going to say some stuff. Make sure that you're eating healthy, lots of roughage, green stuff. Um, don't, don't eat too much red meat. Um, also, if you have a chance while you're eating that red meat, Please leave a comment. We like it. Um, but also, try to get a little bit of exercise. It really helps your heart in the long run. And if you have, um, I don't know, if you have a bad habit of smoking, I'm against smoking, um, lungs-wise. Um, but, I mean, you are allowed to do whatever you want. I mean, the world is hard to live in, so really, just do whatever makes you happy. Cigarettes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think that that's where I want to leave it. Smoke. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just do do whatever makes you happy, including smoke cigarettes. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, okay, bye.